Hello friends, welcome to the Gospel Today podcast. My name is Caleb Suko, and with me today is the beautiful... Christina <laughs> Suko. <laughs> and I know that I usually do this podcast on my own, but I have to bring her in every once in a while so that we can ask her, you know, some things about your life, your ministry, have her share. And I always know that there's more people listening when she's on, right? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me the statistics. Well, yeah, something like that, I think. No, I'm pretty sure there's usually more more views or more listens when you're on. So must be your beauty and your wisdom. And... Happy to be here. Okay. So what I wanted to talk about today was actually two things. One is uh, I wanted to ask you about some of your counseling ministry because mm-hmm. you've been doing more and more of that. And some of those maybe difficulties, challenges, some of the approach that you use in, in counseling women. And the other thing is something that we were talking about yesterday, and we've talked about before too, and that is child raising and the gospel, and taking a look at not just um, you know how do you deal with a four or five year old or ten year old, but what about long term, long term results mm-hmm. of of the gospel in the life of your child. So those are the two things that, that we want to talk about today, and so. Let's start with the counseling because that's a real part of your ministry. So maybe just to explain a little bit about kind of generally who you're counseling and um, and how you know how you got started doing that, why why you're doing that. Can you do that? Yes, okay. absolutely. This is kind of unscripted, so. <laughs> um, I actually started counseling when I volunteered for um, for the women's center uh, here in Odessa. We have our coworker. Um, established a women's center here um, near our house and so I started helping out at first just um, filling in for the secretary at the office and then more and more I started getting involved with the girls that I um, I started having an opportunity to talk to them to read through um, five ways to the heart of the child and also love and respect those are two books that we cover and the main goal for us at the Women's Center is, uh, of course, to show the women that human life is valuable. It's valuable from the very beginning because at that center we offer uh, crisis pregnancy help. But also uh, we want to share the gospel with those who are willing to hear. And another tool that we use is the way uh, to joy and the story of hope. The story of hope is an evangelistic material that's been developed by our mission and we've been using that material very successfully it's 40 stories 20 from the old testament 20 from the new testament and at the end it kind of summarizes uh, the whole the whole uh, all the concepts that are necessary for a person to understand before they come so from from the women's center how often would you meet with these women so um our schedule is to meet with them once every two weeks Okay. So that's that's how we meet, and and the thing is that the women come from all uh, different parts of our city, and our city is actually sprawled out, and it's pretty big. And well, like well, yesterday, you met with someone who was all the way on the other end of town. Yes, and it took me an hour and twenty minutes just to get there by car. So, yeah. so you can understand it's it's a good way to go, and um, and so I decided that well, actually this this gal that I met with we. Um, we haven't seen each other in a very long time because of the pandemic and she had her baby right at the beginning of the pandemic 
and I, br I brought her a gift from our center and that's the last time I saw her. And mm -hmm. then we just had meetings on Zoom and on uh, Viber, it's one of the messengers, but still it wasn't the same. So what, yeah, <laughs> what, what makes you go like an hour and 20 minutes one way in a car to have a meeting? Why can't you just do it on Zoom? I mean, I know you do do it on Zoom sometimes, <laughs> but why do you take that effort to go and meet with them personally? Because I feel that the women are more open. They're a lot more ready to share with you their emotions. Mm -hmm. And plus to that, uh, when they're at home and say their family's around them, they get distracted, they, you know, they maybe they are unable to say some things to me that they would like me to deal with and help mm -hmm. them to understand how to deal with those things. So more focused. So we have a more focused them. time, uh, mm -hmm. less distractions, and also more open time when, mm -hmm. when the woman can actually share her griefs, her struggles with me without being afraid that her husband will get after her, for instance, or her mother-in-law will, will be up, upset with her. Mm -hmm. So, so that was that's that's why I decided to go ahead and, and just take the <laughs> take the trip and then go there. And well, and do you find that a number of the women that you work with they live in a home where you know it's more extended family in the home, like a mother-in-law? Actually, both yeah. uh, both of the women. One lives with her mom, so okay. she she lives with her husband and two children in one room, and her mother lives in another room, and then they have a kitchen. <laughs> So, so you can understand that it's a very tight situation right. where it's, you know, the mother knows things and she definitely interferes. Well, and, and here's a question I would like to ask too, is that is that some of them have, um, you know, difficulties in the home, unbelieving homes for yes. some of them. And, and some of them are not even Christians, really. Right. Yeah, because so, it's just evangelistic uh, opportunities. So a number of the women you're working with are just evangelistic yes. opportunities. Yes. Um, so how do you counsel someone that is in a home where maybe, you know, that home life situation is, is really very far from ideal. And here you are trying to tell them that they should, you know, apply these principles of God's word to their life when you know that maybe, you know, their husband or their, their parents or, or, or in-laws are, are not have anything to do with that. Yes. Well, uh, in one situation that I am encountering right now, uh, my client, she agrees with God's word, mm -hmm. really. She, mm -hmm. she did not make a clear profession, but whenever we talk about the principles of uh, the scriptures, she agrees and, and she, she wants to change her life for the better. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I encourage her to, to talk to God. I encourage her to, um, to have a relationship with God. Right. Uh, and I really, I really hope that she understands, I mean, of course, on her own level, mm -hmm. <laughs> what salvation is. Um, it's a little hard for me to know mm -hmm. uh, if, she's, if she's truly saved. You know, I do not ask her, like, okay, repeat after me. But if we cover the material, she, she does agree to it. And so if she agrees to the scriptures as being the, the standard and, and the word to live by, then I counsel her from the scriptures to be to be quiet spirited, to not answer uh, with the wrong for something that has been done wrong mm -hmm. to her. And, and so I'm, I'm really hoping and I'm praying that she is able to do this. She's able to um, put, put those words that she agreed to, to action and really looking forward to next time we meet with her. When, when you are counseling with women that are you know, not believers or maybe they have like a Orthodox background, I think a lot mm -hmm. of them do. 
um, what do you find is the biggest problem they have, let's say, with understanding the nature of the gospel? I really think that they, even though they call themselves Orthodox, their idea of God is just so far out mm -hmm. there. I mean, they say, say they're Orthodox, but they believe that God is just some interstellar uh, force, you know, and just... Which is it, not Orthodox, <laughs> even, right? No. So it's just, I, uh, from, from what I understood is that they just have all kinds of mishmash of ideas mm -hmm. in their heads and it's not systematized that if they say they're orthodox it doesn't mean that they believe what orthodox would believe right and so i really have to approach uh to them so with understanding you, that they they, so they agree that they're christians that they agree that you know there is higher a higher being right right so then we we have to work a little yes and mm -hmm. we have work little by little through mm -hmm. that so do you find that that even with people that call themselves orthodox there's some sort of maybe kind of new age or eastern philosophy that's sort of sprinkled in their absolutely, understanding of, absolutely of all God. that and then all the zodiac and oh, wow. a little bit of that and and psychology and i mean it's just often it's just a, like a, a bunch of confetti right, in right. a bag you know all different colors and you try to sift through them and and pull out what actually okay well let, let's shift gears on a little bit and what about <laughs> some of the women who let's say are members of of Protestant churches, Baptist mm -hmm. churches, and when you're counseling with them, do you find there's any kind of common hang-ups or, or maybe difficulties that they have mm -hmm. in their relationship with their husband or their children or in their understanding of the, of the gospel and how that works out in their life? I think that in counseling those women, uh, I counsel two ladies that are married, and, and in particular my counseling uh, is is kind of channeled and, and, and targets to help them to be a better wife, mm -hmm. a better Christian wife, and uh, encourage them to maintain a good, healthy relationship with their husbands, regardless of how the husbands behave themselves. And of course, it's easy for me then to use God's word because they agree, they, com they wholeheartedly agree to right. God's word. But I think as with everyone, the biggest hang up is our own sin, our own selfishness, our own pride and we agree to many things that we discuss but then when it comes time to, to utilize and apply yeah. those, those things in our lives it's just so hard because it's so hard to step over your own will and mm -hmm. your pride and and to consider yourself lowlier than your husband and certainly uh, I often apply those things to myself when I when I teach them about those things I realize like oh wow I guess I should Try using some of those methods myself. I think that one of the things that I think of in, in counseling, especially if I'm counseling a husband, you know, that maybe has some difficulty in marriage, is that there's always like this feeling like, okay, just tell me what to do. In fact, I even had guys yeah. tell, just tell me what to do. Yes. Like, just tell me one, two, three. And like, wait a minute, like, I can't just tell you exactly what to do. Like, every situation mm -hmm. is different, but I can tell you principles upon which you should act. Yeah. And then the other thing that I notice is that they'll like maybe i'll tell them something like well you shouldn't do this or, or something right and they come back to me like well i tried it and it didn't work mm -hmm. and and i think that that's uh, a difficult principle to get across and i think it's a gospel principle too mm -hmm. I, what i mean what i'm saying is that there's certain principles of the gospel that are that have to do with our behavior that we do it because it's right not because it necessarily gives us the effect mm -hmm. that, that we want you know right now mm -hmm. yes. and and i think that in 
counseling um, women too. You know, they're always like, okay, how can I, you know, do something to get my husband to, you know, be nicer to me <laughs> yes. or whatever, you know, bring me flowers or whatever they want, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it's hard to, to you know, in counseling say, okay, listen, you have to do what's right regardless of how your spouse reacts to it. Yes. And what I tell my girls is that marriage is hard work. It's hard work. And I think that many women, when they get married, they're, you know, they're all just filled with the rosy feelings and they have the pink glasses on and the world is just beautiful and unhappy. But when they hit that daily grind, I think it's really, it, it, they become disillusioned and they think, well, why was it so easy before? But before yeah. it was just just euphoria. Well, I, I, yeah, but I like, you know, I like Paul's illustration. He says, do not be unequally yoked. Mm-hmm. Well, why are you yoked? You're yoked for work, right? <laughs> yes. You're yes. not yoked just to like, you know, <laughs> bask in the sunlight. Prance in the field. Right? And, and then, but, but I think certainly marriage is hard work. I mean, life is hard work, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but marriage like, is even harder work than just plain life on your it, own. Well, it's it's more complicated when you're married than when mm-hmm. you're single because when you're single, you don't have the repercussions of I need to you know do something for someone else's good that I'm living with all the time. Uh, so, but um, but the, it, I think that there is a joy and a pleasantness in like when you're yoked together and you're pulling the same direction. And I think that that's very important. Of course, we are trying to help these women to go in the same direction with their husbands and, and hopefully that's, that's a, you know god word direction mm-hmm. and when you're moving in the same direction even though some somebody might be weaker than the other you're yoked together and one can help pull the other one along uh, just kind of encourage along and so my job is to help these women to understand that even if their husband sometimes does not feel like pulling them along that it's their job to to just like pick up that slack and just just help their husband along mm-hmm. encourage them to do the right thing by their own example that's i, I remember a couple of years ago when we were uh, when we were counseling a couple and it was a really really difficult situation and i remember coming home and just and <laughs> just being so glad that i was married to you you know <laughs> and it was like uh, I think it, that did, you know, it, it improved our marriage, you know, cause like when you see, oh, oh wow, why are, why are they acting like this? Why is this person doing this? Like they're making things harder for themselves, for their spouse, everyone, you know? And so then it was nice to come home to you and it's like, whew, this is better. Yeah. But, but one thing <laughs> but that but it is still hard work. Yeah. Yes. But one thing that I, I have definitely noticed is that when you get married later in life, and you haven't had, you know, you haven't been married before, and you get married later in life. Well, say say thirty. Right. Here in Ukraine, thirty is. I mean, now it's a normal age, but you know, say ten years ago, thirty would be like. Well, oh, I mean, for us, that's a big oldish. difference because we got married when we were nineteen. Yes. Right. But I've I've said it before, and I'll say it again that when you're young, you're a lot more pliable. Like you imagine a young tree. You can, you see those sculptures in China and Japan where they twist these trees and then mold them and you see the trunks of these trees and they're all braided and everything. So you're advocating for people to get married younger. <laughs> well, I, I think that it was easier for us to get used to Yeah, but we, all, we also lacked wisdom. Oh, absolutely. So I, mean, <laughs> I, think, I mean, the way I look at it is I, I do think that in general, it, I mean, 
we're designed to get married, you know, at a younger age than, than often we do. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing is to be closely following after God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sometimes, you know, God brings a spouse or the person you're going to marry into your life later, yes. sometimes earlier. And I think the important thing is not to just have in your head like, okay, I can't get married until I'm 30 or something like that. Or, or to have the mindset, oh, i got to get married. I'm not okay. married by 20. It's terrible. Well, here, okay, here, this is a little off, off track, but, but this, is, this is something that just really bothers me a lot. And that is like, okay, you're young. Have fun while you're still, you know, whatever, 19, 20, 25, you know, before you get married. And, you know, then it's hard. Do you know what I'm talking about? That kind of philosophy of enjoy those young years, travel, do this, do that, wait to get married because it's like that's going to be really hard. That's going to weigh you down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you shouldn't get married too early. What do you think about that? I don't think that's true. I, I think that there could be some situations where somebody is studying. You know, they're, they're trying to, like, for instance, study to be a doctor. Mm. And they're so busy in their studies and, and they're just putting everything else aside on hold. And, mm-hmm. and I understand that. Um, but just to gallivant around the world uh, and just just kind of try to, you know, YOLO and, <laughs> and just do whatever. I do not agree with that. I really think that that we have all those young years to be active, we have a lot more energy. I know that I had a lot more energy yeah. when I was 20. If I have a, a baby now, I think I'll, I'll be a mess. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think it, it's a bit of a, a bit, it is. It's a selfish outlook on life. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that you can't be single when you know, you're 20, 25, mm-hmm. or 30 years old. Certainly you can, that's God's will. But it's like, what are you giving your energy to? Yes. It's a good thing to give energy to family. Mm-hmm. And, and I would agree with you that I, I'm very glad that at a young age, how old were we when we had our first 21? Mm-hmm. Turning 22, right? Yes. That we were able to you know, have our children when we were relatively young because n- now <laughs> it seems harder. <laughs> but, 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 but I think that's a wrong perspective also to think that, oh, this is going to like ruin my life. Like, like when, when we give our energy to, to raising children, mm-hmm. to, to our spouse and to growing a family, that's a good investment that can bring long-term rewards. And, and this, and I want to transition now a little bit. To talk can I, can I, before okay, you transition, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I wanted to mention those people who are not married and who, who wish they were married, but, but they are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, those people have a chance to invest in other people's lives as well. Mm-hmm. Just just in the same capacity as we have an opportunity to invest in our children. Mm-hmm. Because those people can invest in counseling younger people, mm-hmm. in counseling their peers, just being that support and being the friend. And, and, and all too own. often now, what do they invest in? Oh, you know, going on a trip, going on a vacation. Traveling mm-hmm. to this country, seeing that country, mm-hmm. and I mean those things are interesting, but but it, it's 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 a little bit worthless in, in the long run, honestly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, you can do those things, similar things, I guess, and also invest in other people as well. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. you can go to a foreign country and go work in in an orphanage, for instance, mm-hmm. or you know help build for build a well for some village in Africa. You know, you can actually do something helpful and useful with your life. And, travel at the same time 
Okay, so talking about that as we're marriage, <laughs> I know mean, we're talking about a lot of things here, but but the other thing I wanted to talk about was when we talk about gospel perspective and raising a family mm-hmm. and long term. So next year we'll be married 25 years, so we're kind of getting to that point. We can talk a little bit more about the long term, right? <laughs> yes. Although certainly there's people that are married far longer than us. But at least we've seen, you know, about a quarter of a century. And and what what is the difference in your mind between parenting for immediate uh, results and parenting for long-term results? Um, well, I really feel that your parenting, um, well, it has two purposes. Mm-hmm. It has a purpose to affect your child immediately and in the long term. So not mm-hmm. just, you need to think that while you're correcting your child and to, to have an immediate effect, you need to also think of what's going to happen to your child, you know, 15, 20 years down the road. Right. And so, you know, correcting a child's behavior could be like you flew off the handle because your child is throwing a fit in the store. And so you, you know, you snapped at your child and, and just you know, took them out of the store and just got them in big trouble. Well, did you really think of how that will affect your child later? Did you explain to your child that that's an unacceptable behavior or did you just react to it? So there's always, there always has to be a thought about how that, can that affect my child in the future life? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's, that's my thinking. Well, and, and to bring the gospel into this too, I would mm-hmm. say that when, just when we talk about discipleship, you know, it, it's, it's analogous to raising children. Yes. And so when we talk about discipleship, we want to disciple for the long term, yes. primarily, right? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, in a young disciple, especially, if we see a problem in behavior that is that is very apparent to us, that would be something we might want to call out and say, listen, you know, I notice you're doing this. This this is not a good thing. This is not a healthy thing, right? Mm-hmm. We need to change this. Um, and, and I'm willing to help you to change it. And I think there's similar way in which we're called the parent and that is the, especially when the children are younger mm-hmm. like the younger the child is the more we're doing immediate type of parenting yes. like don't touch that it's hot mm-hmm. right and but but ultimately as as they get older we want to do long-term parenting mm-hmm. and and the more long-term parenting we can do the better and so going back to discipleship the way i see that is that discipleship is all about getting a person to be more like christ right mm-hmm. So we're, while we are thinking about um, behavior, we're more concerned with intentions, with the uh, strength of their faith, with the motivations of their heart, and, and molding all of those things because we know that, that when a person takes on the mind of Christ, mm-hmm. then that's a disciple that you can let go in whatever situation they come into they're going to have the mind of Christ and they're going to make wise decisions that will honor God. Yeah. And they're going to grow in their faith. And I think similar with, with parenting, that we really have to look at this. What, what is our long-term goal in parenting? Mm-hmm. When my child is 18, 19, 20, 25, and 30 years old, I want them to make choices that are based on principles of the gospel and mm-hmm. principles of God's word. And not just because you know, dad said or mom said, I mean, that, that only lasts like how long? Like not long at all. Right. And so we were, we were talking yesterday about this. Um, you know, we've seen a number of families 
that let's say, you know, I knew a number of families even when I was like a youth, right? Mm -hmm. That were part of our church back in the US that started off well. Mm -hmm. Like young family, you know, um, husband was maybe even thinking about the ministry, going to seminary, beautiful family, young, handsome, one or two two children. Yeah, just like, wow, you look at it with some of these families like, wow, you know, they've got it, right? Mm -hmm. Now, 35 years later, I look at those families. Many of them, unfortunately, have experienced divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, They are financially in difficult places, many of them, Mm -hmm. and spiritually in very difficult places. Mm -hmm. And... Oftentimes, the parents or the you say the father or the mother that we're still in contact with, they're they're still like a part of the church, but with difficulty. Mm-hmm. But they've completely lost their children, mm-hmm. and they and oftentimes they look at us. I don't know what happened. Like mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. Like you know, we we were like Christian family, and mm-hmm. what happened? What what do you see as some of the those like small things that get into the life of a family? that change the course over the long term? I would say that it's the absentee father mm-hmm. the, the, or the hands-off father. You know, that he is just there to dispense the punishment um, and just... Yeah, I don't know about necessarily... I mean, honestly, absentee father can happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no, and, but, but the father that, that is absent because of... He, I mean, he's there. He's physically there. Right. But he is absent... In the life of the children, he's, or, he's not or really, absent in the spiritual life. In the, the spirit, well, in the spiritual, yes, that's the first thing. But he's not really talking to children about because because some things. of the some of the families that I'm thinking of, like like the parents were pretty much there, like mm-hmm. like they were active in the life of their children, but it just didn't seem like there was a, a spiritual push mm-hmm. in the life, like like there wasn't you know train up the child in the Lord, mm-hmm. like I. I don't think I really saw that happening. Mm-hmm. It was just like, okay, well, they went to school and they had their sports events and, and the parents went to the sports events, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. They did, you know, the normal expected good things that parents should do. Mm-hmm. You know, that reminds me of uh, a podcast I listened. I'm studying Spanish. And so I listened to a podcast on Duolingo. And the podcast was about the mine collapse in Chile that happened in 2010. And I'm sure that some of you know that a big collapse happened and the miners that were up above were able to escape, but 33 miners were trapped down below. Mm-hmm. And they were trapped 700 meters, it's 2,300 feet under underground. And, and so the story was really fascinating how the the people were trying to uh, you know the company was trying to save them and they were drilling into the rock to try and get through to the miners and at least see if they're alive and they were trying to hit this shelter this area where the miners are supposed to gather if there is a collapse in the mine and they tried many many times and every time and and the lady who was in charge of the equipment the calculations she said we would calculate everything perfectly we would start drilling and it's one little deviation of the bit, of the drill bit, and we would miss the target. Mm-hmm. And she said, we drilled many times, many, many times. And one time she said, we came close, but one little tiny deviation missed the shelter by six feet. Hmm. And she said, of course, that meant that we had to start over again. And so I think that it happens in our lives in the same 
uh, in the same way mm-hmm. where it seems like we're going in the right direction we're trying to hit that target but one little deviation that that is left unnoticed and it just makes us miss the mark by six feet or however far we miss that and and i think that that is very unfortunate thankfully those people were able to recalculate everything re um, use the patterns of the drilling and they realize and they reach the miners and and all of them were saved but i think you can go uh, online and find that story and it's really fascinating yeah i think that that's a helpful illustration that it's, it's sometimes it's those small little deviations at the beginning mm-hmm. that that then we not paying attention yeah not not being diligent uh, spiritually so to, slight you mm-hmm. really have to be very uh, spiritually so then my question is target. what are those small deviations in the life of a family oh, oh that's hard to say <laughs> my, I mean, my, what do you think yeah my I guess my inclination is that um, well I mean the verse you know that comes to mind here is train up the child in the way he should go mm-hmm. yes. and, and when he old. is old he will not depart from it so that means giving him the way right the de- direction which is a spiritual direction. It is about his faith, about his heart, mm-hmm. pointing him towards Christ, right? And the idea is that then when he's old, when he's old, he'll still be there. So, so that he'll be on target. That really encapsulates that idea that you're talking mm-hmm. about. That if, if you don't point him in the right direction in the beginning, mm-hmm. then then he will be off target later in life. And our problem is that when Early in life, we don't see that deviation mm-hmm. because it's so small. Yeah. And so when a child is 14, 15, 16, they can be a good child, you know, do well in school, do their mm-hmm. sports, and mm-hmm. be more or less a decent child. But if they're not pointed towards Christ, living, you know, sort of like a decent life will get, will put them way off course mm-hmm. as far as Christ is concerned later mm-hmm. on. And so, um, and also, of course, Paul talks about in Ephesians that it is the father's job to train up a child in the Lord, right? Yes. So to point him to the Lord, train him up in the Lord. And in my personal experience as a father, uh, you know, I, I always have felt that that spiritual responsibility for the family is on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you so many times in the life of the family, when it's come to, okay, let's sit down and read the Bible. <laughs> Yeah, I can testify to let's, that. Too. Let's let's have family prayer. Let's have family worship. It's just been like everyone, including the cat, starts distracting. <laughs> well, everyone leaves it, and they all go get a drink. Yeah, and literally, get, yeah, literally get like something. I don't know, like two weeks ago we, we sat down in the evening. Something. Yeah, we sat down in the evening. I was like, okay, let's read the Bible. And I like oh, and we're all like sitting there talking already yeah. for like half an hour yeah. or something. I open the Bible. Within thirty seconds, everyone is gone, except for you and me, I think. It's like, what? what? Go to the bathroom. Go, go get a drink of water. But my point is that spiritual, the spiritual life of the family, for a large, I, mean, I, I do believe it is the father's responsibility. And so one of the problems is that fathers are simply lazy spiritually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can be a hard worker physically. Mm-hmm. You can be a hard worker, whatever work you have. Mm-hmm. You can, you can put your nose to the grindstone you can make money for your family but spiritual spiritual work is it's some of the hardest work yeah and and 
many fathers are are not ready to do that spiritual work with the family. And so, of course, that, that means that there has to be some time when you gather the family for spiritual instruction. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it has to be, you know, like set in stone. It's every single day at this hour. That's fine. If you want to do it with your family, you can do it that way. We're fairly... What is fluid fluid with that <laughs> i just kind of like try to take the opportunity when i have it and mm-hmm. so when we go for walks sometimes we take one of our children yeah. and we talk to them about those significant things and honestly i you know i'm i'm lazy in that too and i struggle with it and i probably should do more i should probably probably do it better but oftentimes for us it's in the evening mm-hmm. uh again uh, one of the things that i think is i don't want to overthink it and so i'll just take a little scripture from whatever we read in the morning and we'll read it we'll talk about it a little bit we'll pray mm-hmm. we'll do some of those things sometimes it's saturday morning like if the kids don't go to school we'll have a little bit of time they usually don't relax. go to school on saturday morning. well no i'm just saying like, they don't on those days when, you know, when they have a day off yeah, or something yeah. but but there's like there has to be this constant push mm-hmm. because every, it doesn't happen naturally it doesn't happen naturally mm-hmm. and i i think that that's where so many families get off it's they just think that they get off track is they just think that oh we're going to church and we're Christians and we're a good family, so it'll all work out in the end. And if they're not consistently pushing ahead spiritually, and especially for the fathers, mm-hmm. then it's it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it can happen. It's God's grace, mm-hmm. obviously. Well, somebody else might be doing the father's job. Somebody else in the church yeah. might might be that a spiritual leader for the child. Right. And, and that is by God's grace, and that, that's not a given. But um, I, really, um, I really believe that the fathers and the mothers, they need to be open to talk to their children, and not only about issues that are easy to talk about. There are some issues that are very uncomfortable, and I, I'm sure that you all know <laughs> well, those, those questions that children ask that make you blush and, and think, oh my goodness, how do I explain this? But I think that the more open you are with your children about those things, you don't have to be grotesque or, or like go into some detail, but just explain it in simplicity and in honesty. And I think that that is a, that is a door of communication that will be open and that children will feel that you don't shy away from them if they ask you uncomfortable questions. Yeah. They will come to you and share with you things that you actually will be amazed because maybe some of you never shared with your parents those experiences. So, so just be ready to answer some uncomfortable questions and, and have uncomfortable conversations with your children. The, another danger, I think, is that why we see children that, are, that leave the faith and it seems like, well, it was a decent family. Is, is spiritual hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, and that is something that I think, <clears throat> I mean, certainly I struggle with too in the sense that it's, it's so much easier to get up and preach a sermon about how you should live than it is actually to live that sermon at home. Mm-hmm. And, and so we as parents have to work so hard so that if somebody from outside the home asks, you know, how are your parents living? That our, our our children would say, yeah, they pretty much live what what they speak, what they preach, mm-hmm. and I I believe that that too often our children see those those little inconsistencies mm-hmm. in our lives, with whatever it may be. Maybe it's you know how we react to things, maybe it's um, it's it's how we speak you know we speak negatively about certain people 
behind their backs. Or how we treat each other. How we marriage, treat each other, you know? yeah. Many different things. We have to uh, be very careful about that because that can easily push push that child off track. Mm -hmm. All right, well, I think we covered some good topics today. So It was good to be on the podcast. Any special prayer requests before we close? Um, we are leaving uh, for a trip to Kiev to uh, do some ministry there and visit family. So we need some protection on the road. Hopefully the car will run well. Yeah, we just <laughs> had to do some repair well, with our transmission. So pray for our car, <laughs> pray for us and uh, ministry in Kiev next few days. Maybe listening to this uh, shortly after I publish <laughs> it. So. All right, thank you so much for watching and listening to the Gospel Day podcast. You can check us out at sukofamily.org. You can see all the podcasts there or on iTunes, anywhere you can find podcasts or on YouTube. And if you'd like to support our ministry, we really appreciate it. Go to sukofamily.org. You can find the information about supporting us there as well. We appreciate your prayers. So thank you so much, friends. See you next time. <laughs>